Well, good morning and welcome back. Dragons and Demon podcast here, the podcast that is to develop, understand, and hopefully spread motivation to those around. It is 5.52 a.m. here on a Saturday morning. Got up a little later. On the weekends, I like to let myself sleep in. So let's dive in and give myself a little bit of energy as I get ready for my workout. So today we're talking about building a castle worth defending and building a strong foundation in order to kind of springboard your motivational feats, your to accomplish your goals, to set out to slay the dragons that you put in front of you. Last week, we spoke about the dragons, kind of how I got to the point where I was ready to conquer these missions, um, what my previous dragons were, where I was headed next, and, and what the rut was that I was stuck in, that depression, those demons that we talked about, the things that kind of hold you back and the things that held me back specifically as I was ready to gear up and, and create a new me and, and get excited about living life and making sure I had my priorities in order and I had everything in order that I wanted in order to be most efficient in going down my next conquest here. So this week, discussing the foundation and what I needed and what I think I need moving forward that'll help me prepare for journeys in life. First, I want to thank everyone who listened or tuned in last time. I appreciate I got a lot of awesome feedback. I think this thing is only going to grow from here. And the more feedback I get and the more people that chime in and, and it's really rewarding to have people at least give me a little tiny part that they listened, that they were encouraged by it. Just one or two comments really can springboard. I mean, after I heard one or two good things, I immediately went down and wrote the next three episodes. It, it truly is special to feel like I'm having an impact. And, and I saw it immediately in the faces of the kids when I coached. So to hear it from people who aren't right in front of me or from the internet or from all different walks of life that can just comment, like share and seek me out in person and, and tell me what they liked about it is, is awesome. So thank you. Keep it coming. It's really a motivational thing for me. So now that we're here, different parts that I find important. So this first part is kind of about the physical portion that you, what your body what is important about your body as far as getting yourself in order to be able to accomplish goals throughout the entirety of your life. So if it's a fitness goal that you're looking after, if it's a personal goal, business goal, I think these things are foundationally important in order to be physically healthy enough and strong enough to get ready for these missions. Next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about relationships. And again, this the first four or five episodes are about me personally. So I kind of layer it in the relationship with my wife or your spouse, kind of the way I would like to raise my children and the importance of the relationship with them and then friends and strangers after that. Part one, physical fitness. So in this book by Jocko Willink, Discipline Equals Freedom, it's, it's truly a great read. It's an easy read. It's a, it's a different read, just the way he kind of lays out the chapters and different things like that. It's really, it's, it's an awesome book. Highly recommend it. But to summarize and paraphrase some of the things he talks about, there's like three different levels of training that he uses, three different disciplines. Um, resistance training, sort of like a combat training and like a cardio. 
while I'm not a full participant in all three, I'm a firm believer that all three are important and you should be able to be ready or have some sort of background in all three. Uh, resistance training being the first one that's lifting. So that has so many improvements on, on your life. I mean, you're talking long distance things like bone density as you get older, um, preventing things like osteoporosis, um, increasing your hormone usage. I mean, there's statistics that say things like the regular full body squat can increase your testosterone level by 200%. And it uses over 200 muscles in your body. Like there's just so many benefits to lifting that are, are, you can't even talk about them in, in a short podcast like this. Increasing blood flow, allowing for better oxygen flow throughout your body is, is also incredible. Calisthenics, body weight training, weight training are all great options. And these different things are easy. Uh, they can be fun. For a while there, when I worked at GNC, there was a, a kind of a negative connotation when I was trying to get everyone to start lifting. Um, and a lot of people around me and a lot of people in all different walks of life believe that if you get lifty, you turn bulky. And, and that was kind of a thing that early on with this kind of fitness craze that came out, or at least when I started getting on scene, a lot of women and a lot of people who were just really trying to improve their overall health were thinking, oh, I don't want to get bulky. Well, reality check. It took me, where am I at? It took me almost 20 years to look like this, and I'm not even peak performance where I want to be. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. So if people think they get bulky from lifting a couple times, you're insane. It takes years of development to get there. And it takes years of training to get there. It takes a, a special diet. It takes special training to get there. So someone who just picks up a couple weights for their physical fitness is not going to get too bulky. And it's not going to happen very fast. Um, if anything, first you'll tone, which is a lot of what people want first. And then after that, the, the tone turns into, again, based on your diet and your training extra routine, it could turn into getting bulky or getting bigger and getting stronger if you'd like. And again, that's all manipulated based on diet and, and the way you train. There's definitely ways to just kind of keep a, a level of toneness, a level of fitness long-term that doesn't require getting bulky. I recommend this for everybody. And, and when I was coming up in middle school and high school, it was kind of a weird question as far as when do I start lifting? When do I start training? And yes, there are certain things that I would probably stay away from at a younger age, I mean, but the moment my kids are ready, they're lifting too. I mean, six and two years old, they're not quite ready just because I don't want them to hurt themselves. I don't want them to learn bad habits. But when they're ready at, at eight, nine, 10 years old, if they want to lift, they can lift. I've seen kids in powerlifting competitions, Olympic lifting competitions that are four, five, and six years old just because they've been raised around it. They've grew up in a gym, perfectly fine, healthy, a great thing to do. So that is where we're headed. I believe I'll skip around that part. So the options that I pursue and the options that are out there, powerlifting, bodybuilding, CrossFit, Olympic lifting. And again, there's so much more. Um, those are just kind of like the main categories. There's a bunch of subcategories that fit under those. Um, but these are the ones that seem to kind of grow the biggest following. Um, and just for some people are also just lifting for the mirror and, the, and there's different classes and pu body pump things that are out there. Um, again, I just highly recommend weight training for anyone. 
as a man and as an adult, I feel like you should have some sort of knowledge on how to pick something up heavy. I mean, when it comes to just moving furniture or something happens and you need to pick up a spare tire to change a tire on your car, you should know how to move that thing. And if nothing else, if it's hard to get to the gym, it's hard to find time. And I talked to a couple people recently that they just don't have the time and they work two jobs and they have so much going on in their lives. They have injuries. They have this and that. I get it. It's a struggle. But at the end of the day, pull-ups, doing abs and crunches and push-ups, all these things are free. You can knock out a set before your shower, before you go to bed, after you wake up. Just do something to keep your body healthy and keep yourself moving. When I was in seventh and eighth grade, I was not really working out yet. I wasn't really in the weight room with the football team yet. And and my mom wasn't really excited about getting me in there, but my brother was, and I was dying to get in there. Um, so my brother gave me some advice that he had heard from a basketball coach somewhere to do a hundred pushups a night. So the story was my brother knew someone or my brother heard this story about someone was cut from a basketball team and I'm probably butchering this. But they were cut from the basketball team, and that basketball coach said, do 100 push-ups a night and get ready to play football. So in seventh grade, I started doing 100 push-ups a night. And and I'm genetically built for bench press, so it's not like this is a super freak thing. But for about six months, I did 100 push-ups a night. And I'd break them into sets, sets of 25, sets of 33, whatever I had to do to get it done. I would do commercials between my shows on TV. Um, So 100 push-ups a night. When we went to max out, when I was in eighth grade in middle school, walking over the high school for workouts, my first ever bench press max out, I did 265 pounds, which is more than, I mean, if you look at the percentage charts, you're talking, this is more than 95% of humans across the country. Um, less than that for gym goers, but it, it's a pretty good mark. Um, and, and for kids that I've trained and, and football teams that I've trained over the years, you're talking, I'm, I'm already in the top 10 of lifters of kids that I've trained at my school at 265. Um, and that's just kind of building that repetition, building that habit, building that muscle and something that doesn't affect your growth and something that, um, is easy, free and cheap to do. The next discipline that, uh, Jocko Willing referenced was, combat training, resistance training, I'm sorry, combat training or martial arts. Um, and he speaks from a military mindset. He's a Navy SEAL. And and with that said, I do believe self-defense is important. Again, I think you should have some sort of knowledge and idea on how to defend yourself, especially in this day and age that we're in. Um, if I had a local gym and if I made that a priority, I would definitely go find a, a jujitsu studio or something to get involved in. My kids are going to be wrestlers as long as I can keep them in wrestling. I wouldn't put this high up on my priority list, but it's something that I think everyone should have a little bit of knowledge on how to handle yourself in in case things go south. Um, One thing he did talk about was firearms training as a self-defense method. Obviously, that has a lot of good and bad things. I'm a strong advocate of the Second Amendment, so um, that's something that I do pursue and and I do – train myself on it but that the safety there is kind of the the biggest factor and there's a lot of a lot of connotations that go along with that but at the end of the day it is a self-defense thing and it's something that i enjoy doing it's a good hobby to practice and and kind of sharpen your skills as far as hitting targets next up cardio 
I am not a big time cardio bunny. I am not someone who's going to go to the gym to hop on a treadmill for an hour. I do have a step mill and that's probably my favorite piece of cardio equipment um, that I've ever used. And, and it's just something that's quick and easy, still gives you a lot of development in your quads and your legs. But I do also feel like as a human, you should be able to get up and, and run when you need to. And this might be for me, this might be going for a jog, kind of testing to see how it, how my runs are, testing a little bit. I should be able to get up and run a mile, run some hills just a little bit. And, and I don't really sprint unless I train for it. And I wouldn't recommend people sprint. If you don't train for it and you just go out and sprint, you're going to hurt yourself. If your legs aren't primed and ready and those fast switch muscles aren't ready, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you're going to train for it, then it's something you can kind of build up to and something you can be healthy with. If running is your jam, by all means, go for it. Again, running is not something that I've always been a huge fan of. I'm obviously, in sports, I've always tried to be the best runner I could be. I always trained for speed. But after a certain point, that's that priority just kind of fell off and, and my focus went back to lifting. In all of these facets, I think competition is huge. And, and when I say competition, I don't mean everybody needs to participate in a powerlifting meet. I don't mean that everyone needs to go on stage and be a bodybuilder. I don't mean that everyone needs to get out and fight, run a 5K. I think the competition first needs means you need to be able to compete with yourself. So you should be tracking your information. So if I'm talking about weightlifting, if I'm following my maxes or I'm following a, a powerlifting meet schedule or I'm following a CrossFit competition time schedule, like I should be tracking my numbers so that I can compete with my numbers. You should always look to improve. And even if it's a, an aesthetic thing, if I'm looking in the mirror, I should always be looking to improve somehow. So I'm competing with myself first. When it comes to martial arts, obviously hand-to-hand -hand combat or um, the self-defense aspect there or shooting competitions or things like that, compete with yourself first. And then when it comes to cardio, if today my goal is to run a mile in under 10 minutes, let me get out there and try it. If my goal is now next is to beat it in 930, you should always be competing with yourself and trying to improve. And then injuries and things happen. Your goal then should be to recover and get back to where you were. So always compete if, with yourself first. And if you feel like you're ready, get on that competition trail and compete with somebody else. And even then, on a lot of these competitions, so I competed in bodybuilding and powerlifting. And when I compare the two, bodybuilding was a lot of competition of you being judged by someone else who you have no idea what their interests are, no idea what they're looking for next to somebody else who looks, I mean, they could look completely different standing next to you. So it's very subjective and, and it's hard to kind of gauge that for powerlifting. It's about the numbers. So, I mean, it's clear if I do five pounds more than him, I'm, I'm going to beat him if he's in my class, but it's also a lot more about beating my numbers from last year. So there's a lot of different levels there. So again, in training, there's three different disciplines, resistance training, self-defense, cardio, complete at least, compete at least with yourself first. And then from there, just continue to grow and improve and be ready to, to move on. It is 6.16 a.m. and I'm going to take down a workout here. Hop on this trail with us. My wife and I are doing a 45-day challenge. Today is day six. So far, we're doing well. She's 
been a little sick, but we've been able to, to make it through and, and hit all of our goals. 45 days of perfection. If you slip up, do a 10-minute walk, do something else to buy it back and keep going. 45 days don't quit. 45 days don't have to start over. 45 days is a resolution thing, but there's an opportunity for you not to quit on this. 45 days social media at Coach P underscore knows. Follow us, tag us, add us, compete with yourself, and let's do this. Part two, nutrition. Nutrition is super important, and, and I spend time with high school athletes, training them, getting them ready for football season, getting them ready for athletics, and kids walk in and they expect for things to happen to them right away. They spend two hours in the gym every single day for six months before their season, and they're like, why isn't it happening for me? Nutrition is so important. The, the, there was an old bodybuilder that used to say, abs aren't made in the weight room, they're made in the kitchen. And that's very true. If your diet isn't right, if your diet is trash, you're going to look like trash. If your training is great, that's only 10% of it. And diet is so important and your nutrition is so important. I can't express that enough. So I spoke about my struggles last week. The main focus I recommend and, and my main goal is discipline. So if I can get in the discipline of eating boiled chicken and rice for three years of bodybuilding when I was 21, there's no reason why I can't get away with eating a, a more balanced diet, but a, a very strict diet right now. I push myself with these 30-day and 45-day challenges that I've put on my social media, and really they're, they're there for to, to kind of grow those goals. And, and a lot of people I work with haven't really experienced these before. So if you want to try like a, a three-day or a long weekend first, let me take four days and be perfect. Four days, be perfect. And then I can relax for a couple of days and see how I felt. And then next go around, I'm going to do a perfect week. And then for seven days, I'm going to be perfect. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to stay within my guidelines of my diet or stay on my diet, whatever it is. If it's as simple as removing junk food from your diet, then seven days, no mess ups. Take a couple of days off. And then the next go around, we're going for 10. We're going for 15, 30, 45, and we'll grow from there. So that's a really great way of not allowing yourself to mess up. There's been some diets I've been on, carb cycling and different things where I kind of would build in cheats. And when you build in a cheat, you're really opening up a terrible door for yourself. So if there's a, a I'm going to have a cheat day on Saturday, well, that cheat meal, if you plan for like Saturday night going out with the wife and I'm going to go wild, I'm going to have pasta, I'm going to have dessert, I'm going to have this and then that. If, if you plan for that error, that error is only going to grow. So now it's not only just did I have pasta, a pasta dish for dinner. I had a couple of drinks with it, which adds a lot to that. I had dessert with it. And then we went somewhere else afterwards and have a couple more drinks. And now I feel like crap. So when the next morning rolls around, my breakfast is going to be broken. My workout's going to be different. Things just kind of spiral out of control from there. So if you plan for a short period of perfect, and then after that, you relax. And when I say relax, I don't mean gorge yourself to catch up on all the things you missed. I mean, relax. You don't have to cram for six meals a day. You don't have to eat exactly what's on the diet. Just eat what's around and be comfortable. That seems to be the most beneficial. And that really builds that discipline of eating perfect for a short period of time and growing it. And, and if you look at it in grand scheme of things, eating perfect for short periods of time and relaxing in between, I'm looking at this year that's 365 days ahead of me. If I can do like six to 10 perfect trends in there. I mean, I'm going to be on a diet. I'm going to be on a clean eating spree for 
70, 80, maybe 90% of the year. And by the end of this year, my results are going to be incredible. So I, I can't wait to see how that goes. And once you get comfortable, once I got comfortable with the, the bodybuilding style and diet with other things, it, it really, it really opened me up. So once I got comfortable with eating oatmeal for breakfast, I was not really raised to eat oatmeal for breakfast. Once I got comfortable with eating rice and kind of eating out of Tupperware and things like that, it really got easy for me. To speak quickly, to focus on, on the macros. So macronutrients or macro calories, um, those are you, you, what you eat is very important. And, and you can go as specific as what kinds of different carbohydrate sources you eat and what kind of things are in those that, that you're talking about. You can get very specific, but in general, and, and the easiest way to kind of track it is to break it into macronutrients. So there are three protein, carbs, and fats. Protein is, is the muscle builder that breaks down to aminos in your system, and those aminos go back to repair and rebuild the muscle. These are almost free. So in the, one, in the few nutrition classes I took in college, basically a protein is something that you eat. It breaks down to amino acids in your blood system. It spreads around, around the body. When you don't use it, most of it comes out in nitrate in your urine. So it, protein is almost free. Some nutritionists will look at protein as the free calorie source, and they won't really even count it in your calorie content. The, the last diet I did that really gave me the big weight loss that I wanted, I was eating 2,100 calories a day, 400 grams of protein. And there are some people who say, oh, you can't absorb more than 30 per, grams of protein at a time. Maybe your muscles can't absorb it, but your body can use that ATP, that calorie source, or it gets rid of it. So yes, you might not be able to absorb more than 30 grams of protein worth of aminos in, in your muscle every single hour or whatever, but you can use that calorie source in your system. So that is, is nonsense. My protein shakes that I use, uh, these are two scoops, 48 grams of protein. Again, I might not be using all of it in the muscle recovery phase, but the nutrition wise, using those nutrients, using those calories, I am using those or I'm getting rid of them. Next up, carbohydrates. And for the most part, sugar is kind of the evil one. You want to try and get a more complex and try and stay away from sugar as much as possible. Sugar is, is starting to become one of the things that is the most detrimental to your health. Um, complex carbs, the more complex, the better, but complex carbs are the things that kind of break down and take longer in your bloodstream before your body uses them. And that means it has less of a chance of turning it and converting into body fat. So we want to use those complex carbs so that it stays affluent in your bloodstream longer so that your body can have a better chance of breaking it down. Sugars and simple carbs and white flours and things like that, that doesn't last very long. So your body, if it doesn't get a chance to use it right away, it's going to turn it into fat and it's not going to be very useful. Now, if you have a high carb diet or if you increase your carbs like I did on my last diet, you've got to bring up the fiber. I had severe stomach pain because I was not doing that right. So fiber, you need to use it. And, and fiber is a good one because it's not count as like a net carb. So it's something that your body doesn't really break down the same way. Um, that lasts a long time and it's something that usually you can excrete and something that is, is very healthy to have. So you'll see a lot of nutrition labels that'll say net carbs four, but their total carbs is like eight. That means there's four grams of fiber in there that they're kind of not counting. Fats. 
So fats are fats. They're they're good to have, but they're also if you have way too much, it's very detrimental. So there's this new craze about healthy fats and and kind of the way you utilize them and how good they are for different organs in your body. And they are important. Don't get me wrong, but there should not be an uh, uh, an increase in fats just because you think they're healthy. And eating eating thirty grams of fat out of an avocado is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's still fat. So if you want to get your, you do want to get your fats from a, a healthy source and you want to stay away from those highly processed fats that are in some of the um, packaged goods, but fat should not be an emphasis that you try and add to your diet. When I build out my nutrition plan for myself, my wife, and the people I work with, I usually try and balance the carbs and the protein first and fats. I just kind of hit a baseline and our aim is to be way beneath that. Fats is something that builds up kind of fast, and it's something that if you don't account for it perfectly, you're going to go way over. So it's something that we aim really low on, but something that we use to balance out the rest, especially if it's a carb. If you have a lower carb diet with a higher protein concentration, your fat's going to be up a little bit, and that's fine. But again, we want to aim low on those because there's no reason to add extra fat to the diet if you don't want to. Some general rules and guidelines that I would highly recommend cook your own food. So if you cook your own food and you're not getting your food out of a wrapper, it's going to go a long way. It's going to make you feel fuller because it's, it's real food. It's, and, and typically it's going to be those slower, more complex things that'll be healthier for you. One of the more disappointing things that I see in, in our generation that's in high school today. And some of the, the kids that I work with is how many kids consume their calories from a foil bag. How many kids are eating chips and red hot Cheetos and and all of these nasty looking things and they don't even eat lunch. And some of these kids will say, oh, my stomach hurts. I had the schoolie, meaning they ate the school lunch and their stomach hurts because of it. They ate real food, solid food that was cooked and it hurts their stomach because everything they have is coming out of a foil bag that is processed. And for the most part, it's junk and and it's it's sad to see. So Cook your own food as much as possible. Try not to eat out of a wrapper and and balance your your macros, and I think you'll be pretty in pretty good shape. I'm going to have a ton more in this podcast about nutrition. I'm going to have a ton more about fitness. There's a lot more to come here. I just wanted to scratch the surface. Ad drop. So normally I would stick an ad in here, and I will very soon, hopefully on the next one. But for now, at Coach B underscore knows we're doing a 45-day challenge. Hope you can jump in and and join along. 45 days of perfection. If you mess up, there's a chance to pay it back. 45 days, hit every single one of your goals, do everything perfect. And if you need to, you can buy it back so that we don't get completely off track. At Coach B knows, me and my wife are going to do it. Jump on board. Be perfect with us for the next 41 days. Part three, sleep. Sleep is super important. And I think one of the things that I do that impresses people the most is is I've gotten my sleep in a really great place. I've really learned and understood how my sleep works. So people are impressed that I can get up at 3.30 and 4 o'clock and do my workouts in the morning. What people don't see is it is 6.30 here on a Saturday. And I've already been up for an hour and a half. And that's not me just killing myself and and not sleeping enough. That is 
routine, routine, routine. That is me building this into my lifestyle and building these habits. So everyone has their own level. Every person has their own desired or amount they need. There are some people that I know that only need four hours of sleep at night and they are fine. And, and it's just, I, I don't know. I'll have to dig into that on another episode, but some people just get away with it and they're fine. My dad growing up, went to sleep at 10 and woke up at four every single day. And he never had, um, well, obviously he died at a very early age, but he didn't have like sleep deprivation. He was never overly tired. He, he did his routine. <clears throat> and I think the thing that struck for me the most, and, and this was probably last September, October, when I really got into my routine was someone point out the fact that if you wake up at a specific time, Monday through Friday, and then Friday night, you go out and, and hang out with friends and you socialize, which you, you can and you should, um, and you stay up way later than your usual time on Friday night. Now, Saturday morning rolls around and you sleep in later, way later than you normally would. And then Saturday, you're up again. You are staying up late and you're, you're doing the socializing things that you should do. And then Sunday morning, you're sleeping in again and you're sleeping way past the times. And then Monday rolls around and now we're back into our routine. We're back to waking up for work. And then Monday through Friday, we're back on our time. And that shift in your sleep patterns, it, it simulates jet lag. So if you've ever flown across the country and, and you created like a three-hour difference by flying, you're doing that same thing with your sleep patterns. So if on Friday night, I stay up three hours past my normal bedtime, and then Saturday morning, I wake up three hours past my normal wake-up time, Saturday, I'm like, you're creating a jet lag for yourself. So what I started to do was I created that routine. And, and with the exception of like three or four days from September to now, I've stayed in my sleep patterns and, and maybe a couple more with the holidays. But I go to bed at a pretty good time. I go to bed between nine and 10 on pretty much every day. I'm in bed by nine o'clock. I'm the electronics are off. The TV's off. I'm in bed by nine o'clock <clears throat> Monday through Friday. I'm up at three 30 and then Saturday is kind of when I catch up. So my routine is I can live off of five to six hours of sleep Monday through Friday for that five days. I can live off five to six hours of sleep and I'm pretty good. Obviously I take a ton of caffeine and I do a lot of working out and things like that to get the energy levels moving. My nutrition is pretty close to being perfect. Um, and then on the weekends is when I allow myself to sleep a little bit more, but I'm not breaking my routine too much. I'm still in bed by nine to 10 and I'm still getting up five, six ish, but I'm allowing myself to get my eight hours, my seven hours of sleep on the weekends. So most people need about eight hours. The, the adult average is what you need is eight hours and, and high school kids, you should be looking closer to nine. Um, but, I figured out for myself that I can get five to six for five days a week. And then on the weekends I can get seven to eight and I've, I've, my energy's great and I feel great. Sleep is so important. That is where you recover. So if you're working your butt off in the gym and you're trying to make all these gains or losses on purpose, and you're trying to make all these things happen to your body, your recovery is when you sleep. So if you're eating perfect and you're lifting perfect and your sleep is trash, that's the factor that's missing. Um, there's also another hormone in the human body. It's human growth hormone. It's what your body produces in order to help you grow and recover. So there's a bunch of different hormones. The human growth hormone is the one that is in your body that you naturally produce that you will ruin if you don't get enough sleep. Um, 
So if you're, again, if you are busting your butt in the gym, your nutrition is pretty close to being perfect and you just can't figure out why you're not making the improvements, check your sleep patterns. And then when it comes to sleep, when, when my nutrition is dialed in and when my caffeine is under control and when my schedule is, is, and I'm eating right, I fall asleep as soon as I hit the pillow. And then when I wake up, I'm energized and I sleep pretty good through the night. Now, when I was heavier, I had sleep apnea. I'm sure I did. I, I didn't get it checked and, and my nutrition was trash. So I was eating way too late at night. And when I say eating late, I mean, I was eating heavy late at night, which means my body was digesting. My, my things were moving in my digestive tract that kept me up. I had heartburn, crazy heartburn, just nonstop. So all those things go in and ruin your sleep. And then not to mention you have a, a phone in your face for all hours of the day. You have a TV in your room with the blue lights on, and that really hurts your sleep too. I started to wear a sleep mask, but really since I got my nutrition back in line, I haven't really needed it. So from the transition from when I was super heavy down to closer to where I'm at, not, not super recently, but I was on my way down, trending down. I had a sleep study done, one of the at-home sleep studies done, and they were like, you, you're not, you're a very mild case. You're not even, there's no sleep apnea here. And I kind of knew that was the result based on my weight loss. But again, once my nutrition got in line and my caffeine was, I was careful about my caffeine intake. My sleep has been great. And, and the higher quality sleep you have is, is really, you can get away with less at that point. Um, another study that I saw was that video games and TV and all of this brain activity spent in, in social media and on your screens, it really acts like a, your there's a brain response to that, that they've seen the brain light up the same way it would as a response to heroin. So we're giving our brain this, this dopamine rush as we're scrolling through social media, as we're playing video games that simulates a drug that is deadly. So, and, and the algorithms and some of these things are built that like, it's going to give you exactly what is built for you. The perfect thing to attract your attention on the first scroll. And then you scroll again and the next couple are trash. There'll be an ad in there. And then on that like fifth or sixth one, there's one that's almost good enough to be that first high that you had of the being the best video you'll see all day. And then there's a couple more that are trash. So you're just constantly searching for this rush and the dopamine in your brain is just looking to build up, but really you get this peak and then it kind of trends down and you're just constantly searching for more. And that's what gets us stuck scrolling on social media. And if you're doing that before bed, your brain activity is is way too high when it should be kind of coming down and coming to a close where you should be counting sheep or whatever and getting ready for sleep. So one thing that I have not been perfect on, I'll be honest, and something that I'm trying to be better about is putting my phone down, putting it away from me so that I can naturally fall asleep. And one of the parents I talked to yesterday, they take their kid's phone and don't let they, their kid have their phone in their bedroom at night. I thank them. I thank you, ma'am. I wish you could come to my house and take my phone away from me too. That is so incredibly responsible of that parent to do respect to that person. And I told her that on the phone, I said, thank you for doing that. Come to my house and take mine too. And she laughed, but she, it was a, something that she tried and she really liked it. So I appreciate that. Ad drop. So there is a wonderful podcast out there by two lovely people. 
And by that, I mean my wife and I. So we run the Kevlar podcast, the real Kevlar podcast. It is a, a, a podcast about our bulletproof love story. We've known each other since we were 14. We have a beautiful relationship. I love her dearly. And we just sit there and we talk it out. And and it might not be something that everybody looks for, but it's something that we, we do offer advice from time to time on relationships. We do offer um, tips and things in, in our interests and our hobbies. But really, it's a really good chance for us to just kind of continue to grow our love and get to know each other. So if you want to hear some of that, it is out there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Kevlar, the real Kevlar podcast. Um, check it out. It's it's a fun time for us. And if you listen up, maybe you'll like it too. All right. And that brings this episode to a close. So today we talked about physical fitness, nutrition, and sleep. And again, there is going to be so much more on that as those are some of my main interests. But these are things that I think are so important to kind of springboard you into your personal goals and tasks and challenge you want to accomplish. If you can get those three things in line, then you're physically ready and you're physically able to produce the energy you need to, to dominate all your goals and, and beat all the competition. Next, we're going to talk about relationships, and I've kind of broken that into subcategories of my wife or your spouse, children, friends, what I would call friendlies, and then strangers. So kind of how I've lived my life and, and even some of the mistakes I've made there and what I think is best for me moving forward as I get ready to move down this path and navigate this self-education, this um, self-discovery route of motivation. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I appreciate you listening or watching last week's and this week's. This drops every Tuesday morning. If you want to see more or hear more, I'm going to be dropping short clips here on my social medias at Coach P underscore knows. You'll see more. Otherwise, have a great week. I know it's only Tuesday, but it can be the best Tuesday you've ever had. See you next time. I'm out.